You're listening to Campus Review Radio. This is Carl Treacher, and I'm joined by Martin Betts. We're the founders of HEDEX, and our podcast explores the changing landscape of the higher education sector in association with Campus Review. Welcome to the Higher Education Experience. Systems theorist Buckmeister Fuller once said that you never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. And that is the theme for today's podcast. We've got Martin Fresh back from the UK. G'day. G'day, Carl. I'm not so sure fresh yet with um, with the challenges of international travel, but it was really interesting to go and look at some of those new models that you were talking about in that introduction and see how they're playing out in a very different part of the world from what we've all been exposed to for this last few months and, and indeed a couple of years. Great time to be opening up to the world, I think. I think so too. Certainly things are, are moving at a different pace everywhere you look. The idea of even locally in Australia, things are moving quite well. People are travelling. Um, larger sort of international connectivity happening now with um, supportive you know, groups across, across the world focused on one particular mission at a time. Uh, I'd be very interested to hear more in terms of what you found in the UK. Yeah, well, I was um, I was there with the CEO of a brand new institute in London called Teddy London, which is a venture between three global universities with a, a good old Australian friend, Judy Raper, formerly of University of Wollongong now leading it. But um, it's really in- it was really interesting for me in seeing the way that new partnerships are forming around the world between universities with other universities and universities with other sorts of partners and that universities might be coming to this stage of trying new things out looking for trials of new models new ventures new sand pits to play in it's a interesting time i think for, for everyone someone made a very good good uh, observation yesterday i was talking about the finance sector globally and the change in leadership yeah, in that in that particular sector, and the the statement was that we've come out of a almost a pre-war leadership model, and then we had a war a war leadership model. What is it? Who do we need to move through the pandemic? Being the um, the uh, the reference to war, and now we're in a, almost a post-war leadership model, where the those that sort of carried or well, the stewards through that period did their job and have almost handed the the mantle on to the next generation that are from from all observations, more open-minded, broad-thinking, collaborative, uh, innovative in general. Uh, and I, I think it is really a, a turning a turning point for most organisations across all sectors to review the style of leadership and the thematics associated with the leadership team to ensure that they are actually focused on a more collaborative, broad-thinking um, uh, way of working. Well, very interesting you should say that when I've just come back from London. I mean, I, the, the situation in the pre-war, during war and post-war situation in that country, of course, was very dramatic with leadership with the war hero Churchill, if anyone can still remember the great role that he played, suddenly shocked to find that he wasn't part of the future when the war was over and it was new leadership, new ideas, new thinking that were embraced then. It has felt like we've been through a sort of war equivalent time, hasn't it? And I think it would be very, very dangerous for anyone to think in our universities and other organisations, whether they're in Australia or UK or anywhere in the world, that now isn't the time to embrace new thinking. And we'll move to the interview with Judy Raper just after this short message. While the global pandemic has forced the education sector to shift online, OES have been delivering high-quality online education services for over a decade. 
Having built thousands of online units and supported over 50,000 students, OES partners with universities across areas including learning design, learning analytics, simulations, student support, and more. Discover how OES can help support your institution's digital strategy. Visit oes.edu.au. I'm joined today on HEDEX by Professor Judy Raper, who is CEO of Teddy London, and more about that in a minute. Judy was previously the Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Research and Innovation at Wollongong University for 10 years, and was a Dean of Engineering at the University of Sydney before that, with in between some time undertaking leadership and research roles in the US. Judy, welcome to HEDEX. Thank you very much, Martin. I'm delighted to be here. Great. And Judy, it's great to be with you here in London and finding out about what you're doing with Teddy London. What what does that acronym stand for? Where, Where did this initiative come from and what's this all about? Well, the acronym is the Engineering and Design Institute, And there's a story in that as well, because it took us some time to be allowed to use the the word institute. Institute is a protected word in England, uh, in the UK, and um, we had to apply for it to be allowed for us to be used. And it took took quite a few years. It was only only, um, late last year that we were allowed to use the word institute. Hence, Teddy London is is our shortened form that we use a lot. Um, it's we're a spin-out university, a spin-out out of the Plus Alliance, which is an alliance between uh, the University of New South Wales, Arizona State University, and King's College London. And the alliance had been going for for you know several years, probably about six or seven years now, uh, doing a lot of research collaborations and um, some online education. But they had the the wonderful idea that the world needed a new engineering school and the UK in particular needed a new engineering school that taught engineering differently, well, that produced graduates that were broader thinking and and, um, globally focused and socially aware. And that's where where the idea spun out from. Well, that's quite a, a powerful idea and quite a powerful alliance of universities. And each of those three universities that have come together to form Teddy London and the Plus Alliance they're noted innovators and global players in their own rights. And I wonder if you can help me understand what they each bring to the collaboration and how do they each ensure an institutional commitment to a venture like this? When, for goodness sake, they've each had so much to focus on with matters at home in the last two years, during which Teddy London, as I understand it, has been formed and launched. So so that's right. So so the ideas burned quite a few years ago and I joined in um, January 2019 um, and and by that time the the parties were the partners were committed so it had gone through their councils and and that they they committed to funding for for five years to see if this this idea works and the idea is that we don't we teach teach very differently through projects through industry-led projects and um you know no lectures but but some online materials to support so there's lots of different ideas asu is very strong in online education as you know so they they are keen to do they were keen to do do something online and incorporate technology enhanced learning in it. Um, very strong in engineering, very innovative. So they they understand that the needs and they understand the needs for, for broader broader looking engineers. I, I sort of say that we take the blinkers off off the engineers that we produce. We're, we're trying to get them to think really, really broadly. UNSW is very strong in engineering, but, you know, big school, they want to, they want to do things differently, but it's very difficult in a big university with a, a structure. 
as you know. And so, so they, they uh, want to see us as a sandpit for trying new ideas that they can perhaps take back. King's is different. King's, King's had engineering and they, they um, disbanded it you know, about 10 or 15 years ago and wanted to reinstate it. So, so they have now got a new engineering um, degree that started one year before us, but they, at the time that all these discussions were taking part, they, they were just, just thinking about that. So there was a lot of discussions about whether we, we should, should be the King's engineering or, or not. And in the end, um, it was decided that because we're so radical and so transformative, we really need to be independent and, and to start from a clean sheet of paper. So, so that it was it, that we are now a, a separate, separate university potential, a, a future university. Goodness me, I, I I know from my own experience that running an engineering and or an, and design degree in any one university is complex enough. Doing it across three with such different cultures and modus operandi um, in, in across places as diverse as Australia, the UK and US. Presumably the, the, the cultures and modus operandi are quite different and that must impact on the strategy, direction and operations that you lead as an Australian leading this venture in London. C- can you tell us what that's like? It certainly does, but to a less extent than it did in the beginning. So, so we have a joint venture agreement. So there's commitment for us to, to you know, do this for five years and, and, and prove that it works. Everybody believes that it will, but, you know, it's, it's, it's still, it still hasn't been proven. Um, but in order to do that, we have to be an independent corporation. And in order to get degree awarding powers, which we have from the Office for Students, in, in the UK, we have to be independent. So, so we have a certain degree of independence. We have a board, we have the cultures of the three universities affecting us and inputting into the board, but, but we are an independent um, institution. And I, I can say, you know, we, as diversity is one of our, our values and, and, and we, I honestly believe that diverse thinking brings better outcomes. I'm grateful for the board to have that diversity of thinking. So there is definitely a different culture. Uh, at all, all the three institutions, but it's it still brings me the ability to to sort of operate independently with that those inputs in mind. And I'll give you an example of of the different cultures. So so the very first um, summer that I was here, I decided to run a summer school just to assess what sort of equipment we needed in our lab. So I asked all the universities if they would send me six students six engineering students to London for three weeks to help help with this summer school. So UNSW said, okay. ASU said, I want to send 12 students. And King said, you can't have any because they're on summer holiday. So that's the difference in the culture of the university. So ASU is all about scale. We've got to scale quickly. It's no point in teaching a few students. We, you know, we, got, we want to get our, our good good um, product out there to as many as possible. UNSW is just trying to make sure it works. And King's is is just a bit conservative and saying, okay, well, let's just take it slowly. So they are very, very different. You you mentioned the Office for Students in that that, um, part of our conversation, which is part of the um, governing and regulatory environment of the UK higher education system. I, I wonder if you can help us understand how much that impacts what you do, how you do it, and the strategy you, f- you follow. And it, the, operating in that regulatory environment, what its, what its impact is on the expectations and ambitions of your three investing partners? 
Well, it, it affects a lot of what we do, especially now we're on probation. So we have to, um, we have to show our quality processes are robust and, you know, they're coming to monitor us 11 times this year. So in one year, they're coming to visit 11 times. And so in order for the Office for Students and the, the QAA, the Quality Assurance Agency, to understand that we're robust and that we're going to, we're, we're doing something that is, is um, you know, academically excellent, we've had to sort of shoehorn what we're doing into, th- into a system that they can understand. It's still, it, they still think we're, we're very radical and we are, but, but there's, there's pressures to be more conservative in everything you do. So we do have an academic board and we have all the quality assurance processes and we have to make sure that we um, tell the students what we're doing every minute, you know, that sort of stuff, that the same sort of compliance that Texa would ex- expect you to do, we have to follow and it has, has affected us for sure. But we we just in order to have those degree of degree awarding powers, we have to do it. Okay, and um, look, it's clear for for me from seeing Teddy London in action here here today with you and my tour of the institute that you've got quite a radically different approach to pedagogy, student selection, and industry partnerships at Ted, Teddy London. Where does the philosophy of teaching and learning come from, and how how are you able to make this work in design and engineering education here to a greater extent than? I think is possible in most of your member and most other universities. Well, I think it's to do with size and, and the fact that we started with a clean sheet of paper and we said, okay, we're going to start with no lectures at all, you know, and it's it's very difficult. It has been challenging. There's no doubt about that. And there's there's always a tendency to revert back to to being more conservative. But the, the ideas come from a lot of different places. You know, you look around the world at... at um, particularly in the UK at Olin and, and Harvey Mudd College, and they're, they're not the same, but they, you know, they're, they're similar sort of ideas about projects and project-based learning. Charles, the, our learning tree idea came from Charles Sturt, which, which has a similar concept. Um, and, and really, when I joined, the idea of projects in industry and diverse intake and, and some technology-enhanced learning was all, all predetermined when I got here. But... Um, the Plus Alliance and the managing director and our chair of the board, Chris Roberts, had, had done some work over, over several years looking at, at um, new and good engineering education around the world. And, and when I joined, there was a, a report by Ruth Graham that was commissioned by MIT on engin- in top engineering schools. And, and so that in, in that, you know, Charles Sturt came out. So I, I visited um, there and, and got, got the idea for the learning tree. So so it's all come through lots of people having different ideas and looking at what, what is around the world. And so our model is that the vision, and, and it's sort of changing every day, as you can imagine, because it's been hard to get, get is, is that, you know, the projects give all the learning outcomes that the students need. And then it's supported by a learning tree with small chunks of online learning material that the students can do either at home or on campus in collaboration with their colleagues. Um, and they're supported by sort of pop-up tutorials. So it's, it's not just in case education, it's just in time education. So, so Judy, that's a very radical pedagogy and that presumably has a number of challenges for developing the culture amongst your staff at Teddy London from recruits that presumably have served and inherited the way of working in much more traditional models, by and large. Are there challenges for you in building the right culture amongst your staff in this embryonic yeah, university? Ab- 
Absolutely. Um, so we do things very differently. And, and from the beginning, we have to work as a team because we, the idea of diversity and having different inputs is going to, going to improve what we do. Um, so we, we have to work as a team to develop the curriculum, to write it and to deliver it. And, and that takes a lot more effort than, you know, just being responsible for your own unit of study and, and being having total control over it. And, and it is very different. So we, we try to meet daily, uh, well, not daily now, but in the, in the beginning, we met daily for an hour to see what's go, going on, especially at the, as the students started. Um, but we, we meet regularly and we, we're just trying to build, whenever, whenever anybody reverts back to, to doing something, we, we just sort of pull them back and say, okay, but how about we ask other people whether it's the right thing? It's, it's, really, it's really challenging and, and a lot of work, but I was, I was very encouraged. We've just recruited um, a new person who's going to start next year and, I, and it's a research and teacher and I asked, I, I asked them, you know, is it is it okay to give up research? Because we're not we don't do research at Teddy London unless it's research into education of, of engineering education. And um, and the person said, um, I'll never be a first class a world class researcher, but I'll be a world class teacher. I can be a world class teacher. So that was encouraging. And you know, I said the right answer. <laughs> I noticed you didn't use the word lecturer there either, because not only do you um, ban the word lecture as a teaching method, you, you ban the word lecturer in staff titles. Is that right? Well, we decided not to have those staff titles because we don't have lectures. So, so we have um, teaching fellows, senior teaching fellows and professorial teaching fellows. And we're going to have teaching assistants too. We're just, just appointing our first teaching assistant. So, um, it's only nomenclature, but sometimes it's quite important. So, so you've got all these really wonderful new titles for your staff and some interesting recruits into a different culture. What, what do you wish you had more of in your staff in Teddy London? Um, I wish we had more people with recent industry experience. Um, you know, we have one um, very strong leader who's fantastic and we have another another person who's really great too so the industry the people with recent industry experience that we do have are are really really great and very um, innovative and and different thinking we need more like that and that's what I'm I'm trying to focus on next as soon as we can and and you say that you don't do research other than research into education but you told me that um, translation of ideas into industry practice and engagement and impact are very important to what you're trying to do. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So we don't do research ourselves, but we've got founding partners that are fantastic researchers. And we've got a resource with a number of students who, who need projects every semester and, you know, the opportunity to translate their research into products prototypes or products or um you know make an impact is really really fabulous so um i I can't help but speculate that with a title like teddy london it feels like the first in what might be a series of teddies that you you might have partners with an ambition for is does the alliance have an ambition for serving people and domestic and international students beyond the base in london and other parts of the world yes definitely um i think they would like like to go to developing countries um it, you know perhaps teddy teddy mumbai or or you know 
somewhere in India, perhaps in, in Southeast Asia, but, but particularly in Africa, because there's, there's a vast population that needs engineers in Africa. Um, so that's, that's something for the future. And so already being talked about, but, but we, we have to prove the concept first. So um, I'm talking to you here in London today. Am I going to interview you again when you're having a spell of service in Mumbai or Mombasa then, Judy? I don't think so. <laughs> um, I think London, if I can, if I can show that, if I can get this first cohort of students through, I'll be a delighted person, and that would that would do me. <laughs> so you're, we're sort of as we come to the end of the interview, sort of hinting at the question that I. I can't resist asking everybody that I interview on the, the HeadX Poke podcast, and that is, are you enjoying leading a, a very new and very different international venture across universities from three continents from a base here in London in 2022? Are you having fun, Judy? Yes, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's been very challenging, of course, as, as, as the last two years has been for everybody, but, but it is my dream job. So I have to say that it's it's a, a dream to to be able to start something afresh in a in a discipline that you are passionate about and to make a difference the opportunity to make a difference to all those people. Well, you you, you sure, surely are making a difference. I think you've been making a difference in your whole career, but now in a very different way. So um, for joining us today, Judy, and for giving me the opportunity to visit you here in London and hear about a very different venture from three such well-known universities pulling their resources together and applying themselves to a really big problem in a very novel and innovative way. Thanks very much for being our guest on HeadX. It's a pleasure, Martin. Lovely to have you in London. So, Martin, what did you make of that? Oh, Carl, it's um, it's so refreshing to talk to old friends on uh, another part, another side of the world who are doing r- radically different things from what they've spent a career doing in Australia. And um, I mean, the the first thing I'd say about the story of Teddy London was how inspired I were was by some of the messages at the end of that interview with Judy around the really important role that education has in transforming lives and serving the public good, and the idea that doing something radically different in London to, to solve a, a shortage of, there's 50,000 a year shortage of engineers in the UK, but her point is there for the needs of Africa and of South Asia and of Southeast Asia, needing new talents, needing new problem solving skills and capabilities to a, address world problems was an inspiring starting point for me of, of why ventures like Teddy London are so needed. My general observation from that, that uh, interview was, one of the big things that came out through the pandemic was this idea of the pandemic epiphany, you know, people reconsidering their lives and where they invest their time. And I think prior to the pandemic, certainly from my experience in um, in other, other business sectors, you, you had people that were in jobs, not necessarily for the right reason. You know, they were the corporate ladder or they were looking for self-fulfillment um, to some extent. And I think where we're, where we're moving now, and Judy made this point herself, she loves her job. You know, she loves the opportunity to make a difference. And we're seeing now that becoming a prerequisite to success at a leadership level. So I was very excited to hear that. And it wasn't purely a, a strategy conversation for the sake of strategy. It actually was more in line with what HEDEX is about, which is changing higher education for good. Yeah, well, she, 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 that was very much the part of the Judy story, but it was also the story that she had about the staff that she's recruiting and the employment model of Teddy London. I mean, for so long, every university in the, in the world has really been been tied to this research teaching nexus where every university seeks to be excellent at both research and teaching. 
and all the staff, both the academic staff and those that support them in professional ranks, have have been under the microscope of can they can they do both of those different things? And I think the unbundling of that is going to be really key to becoming even more effective at one or the other and being able to really deliver on, on what the market needs, but also connect, as you're saying there, with people's passions for things. It's, it's difficult to be passionate about uncovering new knowledge through research and sometimes also be passionate about the pedagogies and the learning needs and the transforming ability of, of education for young students or students at any age. And so this, um, this union or the trifecta or whatever we're going to call these three universities coming together, are, are we seeing that? That, um, that business model playing out independently or is it only in this union? No, it's not only in this union. There's been a connection between um, a pairs of Australian and British universities of, of, of a number of forms. Um, th- th- they, they seem to be little pilots and experiments that have popped up over the last 10 years or so. Um, and there hasn't been a lot of evidence of them going beyond where this one started, of some research collaboration and a few courses together. There haven't been a lot of startups like Teddy London that have come out of it. And these three particular universities are fascinating choices for me. Uh, Arizona State University has been consistently ranked the most innovative university in the U.S. It's got that accolade from U.S. News and World Report seven years running now. Um, you know, I don't know what they think of that at MIT and Stanford, but that's a radical achievement for a state university in a state like Arizona. And UNSW, of course, is a relatively um, newer comer to the scene scene amongst the GO8, um, but rapidly became a very innovative research powerhouse, globally oriented university. So the the mixing of the cultures of those two, perhaps I can see that going well, but them coming together with King's College London, 200 years old and a really quite conservative and traditional institution, I mean, we've talked a lot about cultures within institutions in, in speculating on innovation up until now. Doing a startup for three different global universities that have such radically different cultures, there's opportunities in that, but it's also a challenge to make that work and make that stick and make that thrive, I'm sure. Well, it comes back to the, the statement that everyone loves to claim as their own, that, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. The um, the idea of having a plan on paper and a, or a plan on a page is, is one thing, but um, helping find ways of working that are effective and are, uh, you know, operationally successful is really where it's at. Any sort of M&A work that we've done uh, with banks or insurance firms or tech or whatever it might be, it, if we've had a problem, it's always been in the merging of culture because there's not necessarily a framework or a guidebook or a template that helps you bring that together. I think there's also the point that for the last uh, I don't know, 15 years now, some organisations would appoint a head of innovation, which takes responsibility of everyone else to be innovative. Whereas I love this here that just by the very nature of what they're doing, it suggests that culturally they are innovative. So it's very difficult for the existing organisations to come in with their existing culture and their existing frame of mind into a business that by its very nature is innovative. So I find that to be a great workaround or way to circumvent the traditional clashes that can happen in terms of um, bringing culture together to to, um, execute strategy. Well, interesting you should talk about M&A activity in the sectors that you've done most of your work to date. Of course, um, we had Colin Sterling on the podcast in the most recent episode before Judy, and he was talking there about a new um, South Australia state premier setting up a 
a commission to investigate the need for three different universities in South Australia. We've had that conversation resurrected with regard to WA. They're talking about it in New Zealand. So merging of and, and you know, um, coming together of universities around the world to serve critical mass looks like it's back on the agenda again. And the fact that that might open up on a global field through ventures like what we've got here that allow the spawning of new startups that can really be the, 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 you know, the, the, the sandpit of and the piloting of some innovation on a global scale, I think it's the really exciting agenda ahead for higher education. Terrific. And that's all we have time for on this episode of HeadX. Thanks, Martin. Thanks, Carl.